Welcome to Thinking with Dr. Barry Whitney. This podcast series is compiled from Dr. Whitney's university class entitled Justifying Beliefs. The thesis of this class is that we all hold beliefs, and no matter what they are or how deeply we adhere to them, we owe it to ourselves to apply rational testing of our beliefs in order to aim to justify them. This class takes us along that journey, perhaps for the first time or more deeply. For further insights and materials mentioned in this series, please refer to the resource page on Facebook entitled Thinking with Dr. Barry Whitney. We have one simple thesis and one simple method. I'll start with the thesis maybe. We live in a culture where people live on the basis of their opinions and feelings. No one takes the trouble to justify what they believe. This happens in science. This happens in psychology. This happens in everybody's life. This is a culture that doesn't dwell too long on the deeper things in life. It's like, especially in the fields of religion and ethics, one of the web documents that I just want to give you some background with, just one of the first things we'll look at is where we stand ethically and is where we stand religiously. But ethically, if you ask a teenager, and some of you are, and that's not bad, but just so you know, it's not your fault. It's my fault and my generation's fault. But 85% of teenagers, 85% of teenagers believe that what is right is what feels right to you. We no longer have one religious belief or two or three or four, and there are only about seven big world religions. We now have hundreds, if not thousands. Somebody estimated there may be 5,000 different versions of modern spirituality. So what I'm trying to do is to focus us not on what feels right to you religiously or ethically, but what we, what we should be doing, I think, not just in religion and not just in ethics, but in everything. If you're a hardcore atheist, you should do this. If you're a hardcore Marxist or, or whatever, you should do this. If you're a Jehovah Witness, if you're a member of some cult, you should still do the method that I want to recommend. The method is, first of all, like the thesis is, this culture doesn't take the trouble to justify what it believes. It thinks it's all right to do whatever feels right, religiously or ethically. And that's why we have, I think, such a cultural chaos. A spiritual death, quite frankly. I, I won't bore you with this because this is not the time and place. It's another class I have to do this. But if you look at this culture and compare it with other cultures that have existed, this one has all the signs of a cultural collapse, a slow, horrible, strangulating death. We're already culturally sick, politically, socially, economically, but culturally comes first. That's the big one. And what are we fighting? We're fighting inhumanity. We've lost our ethics and our basic religious beliefs in this culture. The, the long story we can't do, but the short version of the long cultural story is quite simple. This particular culture right here for the last 2,000 years has been theistic, which means belief in God. We had the security that there was meaning because there was a God that created us, God was looking after us. We had a relationship with this God. It all made sense. 2,000 years in this culture, that's going back to the time of Christ, but even before that, another 2,000 years, 
we've had a Jewish Christian heritage where there's belief in God. We li- we're living in a culture where Western culture, this is Europe and North America. Now, mind you, this is not everybody. There's always somebody there, but there wasn't such a thing as atheism. There wasn't this phenomena that we're faced with these days. Everyone pretty much was a, was a theist. It took another hundred years before Galileo told the world what Copernicus had discovered. Basically, that it wasn't the earth that was the center of the universe, it was the sun. What that did was to start shaking the old traditional worldview, which says that somehow we're the center of it all because we're the center of God's care and concern. God cares about the world. God cares about us. Galileo, with the telescope, did all kinds of things like he discovered mountains on the moon with his telescope. It was only three, uh, like three times magnification, but he saw mountains on the moon. Instead of this thing being some kind of a uh, unchanging heaven that God had made, the heavens where God dwelled, all of a sudden it looked like there was another earth up there. And he turned his telescope on Jupiter and he saw these four little moons and he thought they were planets revolving around Jupiter. We still have his little charts where he drew these things. That shook the world. What I'm saying is to make this long story short, Isaac Newton, by the way, discovered uh, laws of gravity and all kinds of natural explanations for why the planets moved. And it was gravity that moves things rather than assuming that God uh, was in charge of every movement and everything that happened. Now, here's the short version. Theistic, we were a theistic culture. We believed in God. It gave us a security and a meaning in life. There's an afterlife. There's a soul. There's a heaven. There's a hell. There's a purpose to it all. That worldview is still part of this culture, theism. In fact, it's still the dominant worldview. It's still like 80%, more or less, in America and uh, in Canada, 76 and 80, 86 or 85, whatever. The stats are always different depending on who does them. But it's, it's still the dominant belief, even though it's been influenced far too much by this rise in what we now call modern science. Well, word is naturalistic understanding rather than a supernaturalistic understanding of the world. We thought that everything was in God's hands, that God dotted every I and crossed every T, and that everything that happened was God's will and whatever. The scientists gave us this naturalistic explanation, which very quickly, in the last couple of hundred years, this started about 400 years ago, it very quickly turned into atheism. Science has become, in this culture, a scientism, which is a different word. Science simply means a study of verify with, it, with the five senses that there's a God. So science, people like Carl Sagan, Isaac Asimov, almost all the major figures, the popularizers who write the million-dollar books that are all over the bookstores, they all talk about how science is the only truth. We're now in a culture where we have not just theism, but we have competing worldview called naturalism or scientism, which claims that theism is wrong because it can't be scientifically verified. I'll just skip over the details. We have another ingredient in this pile, uh, which makes our job in this class even more difficult. It's called postmodernism, which basically says that there is no truth. Theism is wrong and science is wrong. It's all just some kind of a dreadful, not illusion, but 
what we think really is just feelings. That's why this culture is postmodern. But there's no truth there. It's a very difficult worldview to understand because it's an anti-worldview. It goes against everything. It's saying the theists are wrong because they don't have absolute proof. The scientists are wrong because they don't have absolute proof. We're watching this cultural fall apart with this ideology called postmodernism. Now, I wouldn't even mention the word postmodernism if I didn't know that just about every class and every discipline in this university is postmodern. Literature, English literature especially, history. What postmodernists do in history is rewrite history uh, to suit themselves. And what they do in literature is to redefine what it means. They don't care what Shakespeare meant. They want to know what it means for them. It sounds innocent, but it's a disrespect for the authority of the writer, the author, like Shakespeare or whatever. It's a whole attitude. What I'm trying to defeat in this class is this attitude of postmodernism, which says that there is no truth. There isn't any truth anymore in science or religion. It's all whatever you think it is, whatever you feel it is. Think is even too strong a word. You're saying he's got to be making this up. We can't be that crazy. And some people say the postmodern worldview is not going to last. It's just too ridiculous. But it's here. It's in every culture. It's in the movies. It's in our attitude in the law courts. It's in politics. It's in pretty much everything. People lie, cheat, steal. It's all a power play of whatever I want it to be, whatever I feel the truth is, that's my truth. You can believe what you want, but this is my truth. And I'll lie, cheat, and steal to make sure that, that I can hold on to my truth. It's a very, very strange worldview. Part of the rationale, why I'm so interested in defending justifying beliefs, is because this culture won't do that. This culture doesn't think we have to justify anything. This culture thinks that if you want to treat your child the way you do, that's your right. We're all big on rights. And it's nobody else's business but yours. That's this culture. And if you don't think that's terrifying, I certainly do. This is why 85% of our teenagers, who are going to be the leaders in 20 years, say, do you believe in ethical laws? No, no, I don't, they say. I believe that I can do whatever feels right to me. And you put the microphone in their face. Now, that should terrify us. I understand that. What they're trying to say is, don't tell me what I should believe. I don't believe traditional science, and I don't believe traditional religion. But if the alternative is to believe whatever you want to believe, do I not have the right to say, justify it then? Because if you ask me what I believe, I can say, I believe X, 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 and Y. I can give you reasons why I believe that. But this culture is more than happy to say, I believe A, B, and C, but I won't give you a reason because I don't have to. It's my right to believe anything I want. Well, if what you want, that may not be a good thing. Sometimes what you want and what I want may conflict, and we better justify uh, as best we can, which means rationalize, apply some tests here, like who is who's right? This culture says everybody's right because everything is based on what an individual believes. I can tell you if everybody's right, then everybody's wrong, and a good postmodernist would say everybody is wrong. There is no truth. You just believe your illusion, and I believe mine. Well, I'm here to defend truth. I'm here to say that there is a worldview. There's, there's a theistic worldview that is being completely ignored in the university system. 
and by the culture and by the media and by Hollywood and just by everybody else, that can be defended, not conclusively like one and one equals two, but there are ways we can say, is this rational? Is there any way for me and you to disagree without saying, it's okay, you believe what you believe and I'll believe what I believe and somebody has to have some reason somewhere for what they believe. The very first thing we want to look at is that nice little book. I just found this one, so I've not tried this on students yet, but it seems like a simple little thing to read. Why should anybody believe anything at all? The first six chapters are what I want you to be looking at. It's very simple. He gives you 25 reasons why people believe anything at all. Well, I believe it because my society does. I believe it because this is all I know. I believe it. And, you know, it, just to make this long story short, because I want you to read this before I start talking about it a little bit, but I think this almost can speak for itself. I'll just uh, point near the end, because I think chapter 6 is where the truth lies. There are 25 reasons given in those chapters 2, 3, 4, 5, and 6 for why people believe what they believe. The author's point is that. There's another question, though, that, that has to be asked. Why you believe something may be because it makes you feel good. It gives you a meaning in life. You've been socialized into that belief. All of that's valid. That answers the question why you believe what you believe. But the real question, see, this culture stops there. They don't care. They, they don't take it a step deeper. But we have to, I think, or else we're just floating on the edge of, of our intellects and just ignoring what's important, like why you believe what you believe. So there's two steps, and that comes in chapter six. The first five chapters basically here are the reasons why people believe what they believe. It's all sociology. It's all psychology. And it's all religion. Like religious people say, I believe because I've always believed. I believe because I, I've been told the Bible's the authority or the Quran. I believe uh, in my religious authorities. I, I think there are miracles. And I, I've had a personal experience of God. All of this stuff is religious. But that's telling us why we believe what we believe. And sociologically, we say we believe because our society does this. We're trapped in society. They kind of determine what we believe. We're trapped in the family, our friends. All of these are reasons why we believe what we believe. But the real question is, are you justified? Do you have really good reasons for what you believe? Now, like I say, this, this isn't even asked in this culture anymore. That's why I couldn't believe somebody actually wrote about this. But it, it, takes, it takes nerve. And this guy has been all over, like James Sire, he's been all over the uh, university system, giving you a version of what you see in chapters 1 to 6. There's actually a lecture that he's done on a DVD. So it's based on student answers to his survey. Just assuming some of you haven't read this. It, it, some of you have, and you've got it all figured out. Just, you know, just bear with this for a minute. I'm not going to go through this detail after detail. I think you can read this. It's a very good way to start, because this whole course is about, do you need reasons do you need justification? Do you need, not to prove conclusively, but do you not need some kind of argument for what you believe? If you say, no, I don't, I'm going to believe what I want to believe, that is the postmodern answer. One of the 25 answers. Well, nobody's saying you can't believe what you want to believe. What we're saying is, what I'm saying, what Cyrus is saying is, do you have a right to believe that? I mean, you have a right to believe anything you want, but are you justified in believing that? Is there an argument for that? We don't argue anymore about why we believe what we believe. And that's why we have about 87 million different cultural groups at war with one another. And it's all about power. You know, when truth dies in a culture like it has in this one, let's get to the truth. 
Who has the best arguments for what they believe? Maybe there's no one alive that has a conclusive argument for anything. But, you know, if somebody says, compare Buddhism with some cult, let's look at Buddhism as a religion, and let's look at this cult in Waco, Texas, and see who has the arguments, the more persuasive arguments, rather than simply say, as a postmodernist would, they have a right to say that, therefore, it must be true to them. Well, yeah, that's... They do have a right, and it is true to them, but it might be wrong. Is it not worth, you know, being a human being rather than a cat or a dog and trying to figure out whether something is right or wrong? That's what we have. We have a rational ability. What we've done with it is abuse it. You know, you know why we don't do that right now in this society? If you're sitting there thinking, well, gee, I've got some religious beliefs, or you could say, I'm an atheist and I've got reasons for that. I have a very complicated, worked-out theology and a worked-out worldview, because that's what I do. But most people don't. It takes a long, long, long time, and, it, and you'll never really, to actually justify and think about, to believe what I believe, I have to know what everybody else believes. I have to know every possible criticism and, and, and be able to defend a belief. This is a culture that, that's so wishy-washy only because science took over the role of reason. And basically said, we can reason about physical things, but we can't reason about meaningful things like whether life has meaning, whether there's a God, whether you have a soul, whether there's an afterlife. So we just gave up in religion. That's what this culture did. It's an anti-intellectualism that's run rampant in this culture. You don't have to say, science gives me the truth, the facts. By the way, you hear this every day if you just listen to the, to, to the media. Science gives you the facts, religion just based on belief. We, we've taken that dualism, compartmentalization of religion far too seriously. I do not agree that science has the only truth there is. I think there's religious truth, and I think I can justify it. But science claims we have a stranglehold on truth. The only truth is scientific truth. And what is science? The five senses that, that feed reason. That's why we become anti-rational in theology. We couldn't fight science. People like Carl Sagan, the guy who wrote the movie Contact, and all kinds of other atheistic things, we got him in a debate, daring God, daring God to strike him dead with lightning if God is real. Or, or as he says in another debate with, with a theist, Carl Sagan, he walks out, he says, when I walk out of this room, I want to see a flaming cross in the sky saying, I am God, I exist. That's nonsense. When the Russian cosmonaut went up, basically sent a message back to America saying, all you Christians down there in America, I want you to know that I've looked around up here in the sky and God's not here. I'm surprised. My faith is down the tubes. Of course God's not there. But science has this, this pinbrain idea that if there is a God, we should be able to prove it scientifically. I've, I've discovered now in the last 20 years, there actually is a scientific proof for God called intelligent design that most people in, in the science disciplines uh, won't go near because, quite frankly, to overturn a paradigm might overturn somebody's career. Whoever said that God has died and science has become the new God? Well, just about every scientist. 98% of biologists, most chemists, most physicists, most people in the media, most people in the government, most lawyers, most judges, most of them that run the country, the elites, are all into this, telling you about 
assessing the situation, I'm sure, rather, because it's not just fact. That's what I'm trying to do here. I'm trying to defend a religious attitude, not by condescending myself and saying, well, I don't have any proofs, but it's true to me, and it's true to all these other people. We're all religious, but we don't, we can't justify it. Well, of course we can justify it. That's the secret. Religious people don't know we can justify our beliefs, and the, and the critics of religion, which are everywhere in this secular culture, they don't know that either. They think that because we haven't proven it scientifically, we can't justify it. There are a lot of things we can say about religious beliefs that actually have historical, pragmatic, real, propositional value. Just to use all the big words, we'll get to them. In fact, I'm going to show you there are four or five tests, ways to assess a belief. There's a way to judge. You, you ask, is it logical? Uh, are there contradictions? Are there unproven assumptions? I'll, I'll do this systematically after you read these things, but we're not at the mercy of science, thinking that, that we have to have a scientific proof of what we believe. By the way, this, this applies to every religion, and this applies to every cult, and this applies to even the critics of religion. If you're a, an agnostic, which means I don't know what's true, you still have a responsibility to get off the boat, which is going to land maybe someday, and look at the evidence. You can't just say, I don't know or don't care. If there is a God, if it turns out that there is, your attitude of not caring could be a problem later on when it's too late. And if you're an atheist, don't just sit there and tell me, I don't believe in God because when I was young, somebody told me about Santa Claus, and I'm sure belief in God is just the same as Santa Claus. Now, if you think I've just made that up, there is a famous web atheist. He spends his life basically just, just arguing against trying to find every argument there is for atheists. He actually uses that as one of his main arguments, though. He says, Santa Claus, belief in Santa Claus is like belief in God. When we grow up, we realize that we've been lied to with respect to Santa Claus and in this culture, the Easter Bunny and the Tooth Fairy and God knows what else. And it's the same with God. Now, that is called the fallacy of false association. Of course, you know, there's no, well, I hope this isn't a shock. There is no Santa Claus. There is no Tooth Fairy. It was your parents all along, and there is no Easter Bunny, despite the fact my brother saw it one Easter. Now, what I'm saying is, that's false association. But if this is the arguments atheists use, like, no, I mean, there's, they, they must think we're stupid. Like, but, you know, we don't fight back. The majority of this culture is religious, in one way or another. And yet we don't take the trouble to justify what we believe. Thank you for listening. We invite you to join us for the next episode as the journey of justifying beliefs continues. 